The following is a fourth-hand production. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. 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 Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that likes the flat earth so much. We're doing another episode on it, Hysteria 51. I think this is three, technically, if you're if you're keeping track at home, John. Oh, I didn't think you were counting the first one as canon since you weren't a part of it. You know, I'm... I'm giving it to you. You know, even the dog gets a bone. Your sun shines on a dog's ass some days, I guess I should say. You're a gracious man. <laughs> gracious, 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 man. well endowed and mighty good looking. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. I am your humble host, John Goforth. Alongside is the co-captain of this boat to nowhere, Mr. Brent Hand. Speaking of boats to nowhere, John, when I'm on a boat and I'm looking out over the horizon and I see the di- oh my, my eyes went crossed again. <laughs> like, I'm still reeling from last week. Just, just never mind. I don't even have eyes and you two make mine cross. That other voice you heard is the robot that makes this show keep trucking along. Well, he more just drinks our booze and tries to kill us. But either way, his name is Conspiracy Bots. Word. Well, thanks, Conspiracy Bot. Always a lot to offer. All right, Brent, before we waste anybody else's time, let's get right back into the discussion from last week. It is the Flat Earth Roundtable Part 2. Part 2. Yeah, without further ado, Conspiracy Bot, let's tee them up, let them dive back in and... uh Enjoy? Question mark? Yeah, question mark. (laughs) The Flat Earth Roundtable debate. Here you go, kids. When we say that we don't agree with something, that's the nature of science is trying to debunk whatever the current going facts are, whatever the truth is. You want to try and, uh, you know, up, up that by one to get a closer to the truth. So my question would be with the easterly winds, you know, that we have the jet streams. How does the earth traveling in that direction cause winds to go in that direction? So when I'm saying that, because that's something we know is testable. So you've already described for me what happens. We see what happens. But a test would be, okay, that happens. So how does that happen on a ball spinning through space? Why is there the easterly jet streams, which are the prevailing jet streams? Well, once again, you're throwing in the question, but you haven't provided the answer. I, I my, my, my the question answer is that it happens. The uh, answer is that what takes place. So again? my test, the answer is that's what takes place. That's what is reality. I think we would all agree that the reality is that there's easterly jet streams, which are the prevailing. That's why if I fly to New York, it takes me less time than when I fly this way because the winds go that way. Mm-hmm. So, but the ball spins that way. So I'm saying that is a testable thing. We can say I just did that test and that the easterly winds do blow east. You tell me we live on a ball spinning east. So I'm just asking, how is that possible? Uh, well, it is. I, I, well, I, I, I have an answer just in general, but, but before I do that, I, I want to hear uh, uh, Greg's thought on that and then Adam and Tack's thought on that. Okay, sorry. What was the question again? I was talking a hard Talk time kind of following e- that. Easterly winds and trade winds. Um, how, do they, okay. how do they travel if the, the Earth's spinning one way? How do they spin the same way at like 1,000 miles an hour on the, on the uh, equator? Um, simplified version? Uh, Coriolis uh, factor, the Coriolis force. 
<laughs> um, is, a, is a result of the spinning ball, right? Right. It's the fact that the Earth is spinning is what's causing the, you know, the, the easterlies and the, the westerly trade winds and, and all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's the fact that the Earth is spinning around in a, in a, in a ball or on okay. a ball. The wind goes the same direction. So the easterly winds, which are, can get up to 150, 200 miles per hour, mm-hmm. those go east, but the ball is spinning east. So why would that, how mm-hmm. could that exist? You're, you're, what he's saying is the Earth is spinning, and in the same direction, the winds are outrunning the spinning Earth. So on the equator, you know, the Earth is spinning 1,040 miles per hour, but the, the winds are outrunning the Earth. How does that happen? Gotcha. Okay, I see what you're So it's – again, it, I have to, I, to do this, the oversimplified version, it's the Coriolis force. But the Coriolis force, basically, if you're, if you're looking for, on a spherical um, – if you, if you see – an object being a sphere, and you have it spinning around. The Coriolis force is basically a a change in a perceived force direction. So the whole idea is that if you were to throw or shoot a ball or something like that from the equator up to the North Pole and just kind of throw it straight, then from your perspective, you would see the ball kind of shift one way or the other because as it got closer and closer, it traveled a smaller distance. Based on, based on the fact, based on the fact that, of the Earth is spinning. And that so is it's, north. It's that is north and south, though. That is north and south. We're talking straight east, the direction right. that the Earth is spinning. That's well, not Coriolis. Isn't the sim- what, isn't the simple isn't the simple answer um, that gravity reduces as you get higher? So the closer you are to the Earth, uh, the less effect it's going to have on the winds. The and, higher the higher you get up, it does get crazy. And the trade winds are only in low atmosphere. Right, right. So, so he's talking about the jet stream now, not the trade winds or anything like that. Well, I'm talking about so, the, yeah, jet stream. Okay, but, uh, that's density. That's just a density problem. It's it's the fact that up there, you know, the 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 atmosphere is is not very dense, and and because of that, it can travel a hell of a lot faster than the winds right. down here. So one more time, the, the jet streams travel faster than the Earth spins right towards the east, and you're saying that that is a result. Of the spin, but that that's what we're saying. It doesn't make sense. Is that it's the equi- equivalent of me answering every question you give, you ask us with atmospheric undulation, and just describing things with a phenomenon, and then asking you how that works, and you saying it works because of atmospheric undulation. That's not. It's that's because not. it's it's because to describe the Coriolis effect, we have to go into, you know. Classical mechanics, differential, partial differential equations, and and we have to dive deep down the physics rabbit hole, which I don't think we kind of want to do. <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, it's it's I could show you guys the equations, uh, but it's not it's not conducive to radio talk. <laughs> well, I, I right, think I, I, yeah, I mean, what he's saying is it's 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 testable and provable based on both the equations and you know simply you know. Uh, Using, using, we can go there, and so we do have instruments to measure the speed of all of these things. That's and that, that's why I'm using that as my evidence. I'm so, how does that play that into move, the Earth being flat? How does it? Because there's 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 pro- problems with the ball model spinning. Number one being that it's never been tested to spin, never been shown to spin. That's a problem, and that the whole idea of the spinning Earth. Doesn't Wait, mean anybody, nobody, to spin or hold on a second. nobody who's ever been on this earth, hundred billion no, people. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Nobody is let's ever- not, let's not jump over. You, you made a statement. How's it never okay. been tested to spin or shown to spin? I mean, it has it, been tested. It has been tested and shown to spin. 
So we we don't want to just jump over those bold statements like that. When has it been? When has that been done? What? Where? Why do you think that it hasn't? Like I don't know. We've seen we have geosynchronous. We have to put things into geosynchronous orbit. Otherwise, Earth is spinning and it moves out of out of. Well, is there's go ahead. No, I was just going to jump in and saying you say we have to put things in geosynchronous orbit. That's not proof because we don't have proof that things are in geosynchronous orbit. There's been numerous tests that have been tested to prove that the Earth is spinning, and they've all failed to prove that. And some of them have proved what that the Earth is those? still. Jaron can name all of those tests. Well, there's Aries failure, which um, was meant to show our movement. I mean, was meant to show that starlight coming through, you know, that's the one I'm sure you've heard. He filled the telescope with water. And said, okay, well, if the Earth is moving, then the starlight coming into the water is going to be slowed down versus the telescope with air. And the reason they call it Aries failure is because it failed to prove that the Earth spins. Michelson-Morley's, all of Michelson-Morley's experiment, uh, Albert Einstein is quoted as saying, I've come to the conclusion that there's no experiment that can show the Earth to move. That's an Einstein quote. Einstein said a lot of things and then and then recanted a lot of them. But, but let's move on beyond that. Adam and and, and Tack, you, you guys just uh, heard you know some of that feedback. Uh, give us your thoughts and 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 questions that you might have based on that. All right, so uh, let's go on the first part of it. So nobody's brought into effect anything about centripetal motion and centripetal effect that happens with a spherical model uh, as well. So that could affect the trade winds. And I want to kind of clarify something. The, not necessarily trade winds, but the jet stream too. The jet stream does not spin faster or does not move faster than the rotation of the Earth. It moves, but it moves with relativity to the surface that it's moving across across the planet. So mm-hmm. if you a jet stream traveling at 200 miles an hour, I know that's a bit fast. However, if you've got that, its motion is relative to the ground, so it's traveling at 200 miles an hour. If the Earth is rotating at 800 miles per hour or whatever the revolution time is, then it's not traveling faster than the 800 mile an hour Earth surface movement at its at its crust. Correct, but okay. So I'm just I'm just answering some yeah, of the that's good, good answer. This. I mean, the whole thing is what we're saying is that that we agree with that if that's the round ball model that we're taking. Okay. So then you're saying that that spin is what causes those winds. What I'm contributes saying, to it? Yes. Huh? What what contributes to it? Yes. Okay, so the the wind that's blowing 200 miles per hour towards the east at the equator, you're saying that the spin that is at a spin zero relative to the Earth is what's causing the 200 miles per hour going towards the east. What is contributing to it? Yes, not the only cause. It's not the only cause, but it's it's a big factor. Yeah, got you. So what causes the the um, spin? Or I'm sorry, what causes the winds on the flat Earth? Pressure differentials. Yeah, a com- com- combination of prefer- pressure and density of the well, air. Well, I mean, so give give us a little bit more than that. So okay, good. Sorry, you go ahead. <laughs> well, if you want to answer that, I just want to c- kind of keep it on the same sub- subject and, and of the spinning of the Earth, and give you ask you guys another question: how something well, works. No, no, so, no, you, you can ask, but but let's finish the the topic wrong. Go ahead. I, I was saying, give us a little bit more um, on on what causes that on the flat Earth. Well, if the sun and moon are orbiting in a clockwise formation, then that would create uh, winds in the easterly direction. Why would that create winds? Because it, it, they're large in, in, moving. The, heaven, the heavens do. Hmm? <laughs> well, I mean... 
Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, the funny thing is, you can laugh at that, but then no, when you force? say that, I'm asking what force. You don't believe in gravity. What force is causing? Oh, I do believe in gravity. There's something, like I said, anything that something is pulling us down. Anything with weight drops, right? If something, if a pencil weighs more than air around it, it falls. So, I mean, I guess I, my question would be, how does uh, so the build, force uh, of, the, the force of gravity is making those things happen on the flat Earth? Is that what you're saying? Sure. If I mean, if you want to call it gravity, is what I'm saying. Well, we got to call I it mean, something. I, but, okay, but but the force gravity. isn't caused by the mass of a ball. You can call it gravity, but it's not caused by the mass of a ball. What's it caused you, by? We're, we're, we're told that the mass of the ball, everything is is uh, attracted to the very center of the ball. But a point Jaron brings up a lot is, what if you were a point halfway between the center and the surface of that ball? How do you know you're not the center? And isn't well, that pulling everything towards it? David, you know, I'm, no, I'm no longer trying to disprove that. I'm trying to prove what you're saying. If it's not, if it's not, the center of the ball, but it is gravity. What causes it? I'm, I'm okay. just asking weighing you that question. Any item weighing more than the area that it in, occupies. So that's why a helium balloon works. So my question would be, how does a helium balloon rise in a ball earth with gravity as you understand it? Because it's, because it's a mass. It's a it's mass. Around. It has mass and mm-hmm. it's, and it Light weighs more. surrounding air. That's all. It's lighter than the surrounding air. Okay. So you just described my exact definition of gravity. So, you, I thought that gravity was two items with mass pulling together, or that the gravity of the Earth should be pulling the helium balloon down. And you but it just, does. You it's just said just it, it, it. No, it does. But it's the buoyant force that's caused by by the by the density difference is what is is more than the gravity pulling down on the helium. That's why helium just is so rare here on Earth. But it's. Well, we're in agreement on, on buoyancy and density and some, mm-hmm. we're just in disagreement on what gravity is. You guys think it's caused by the mass of a ball and we don't. We can, we can argue all day, but it falls into well, the well, works no one, on no, a flat no, earth, works on a ball. No earth. one's arguing. We're asking for your, for your definition of gravity and what causes it and what causes it. Well, anything that weighs more than its surrounding area. <clears throat> so dirt and dust and rocks and all that stuff weighs more than air. So it's at the bottom. And water weighs more, so it's at the bottom. And as you work your way up, you get everything that weighs less than that. And then when you get to become air, then there's only a few things that are lighter than air, like helium, like hydrogen. And then you've got the complete Earth set up. Anything that weighs more than the area it occupies goes down. That's because it weighs more than the – I mean, how else could the universe organize itself? So I got a question for that. Um, So if – what about the flat Earth? Are we falling? No, because the, the Earth is all there is. So you'd have, to be falling, you'd have to be falling in something. What's, I don't, what's under the flat Earth? No, that, <laughs> the Earth is all there is. It, it, it's, A wall? It's the, well, it's the equivalent of asking you what's below space. What's under space? You would just say, oh, well, space is endless. Well, I don't think anything is endless. That's actually impossible. There's no such thing as infinity because I could just say, well, what about plus one? So there's no infinity. Okay, well, when, when well, that is but to me, when the Earth ends, space begins, and then that goes on for the rest of the universe. And if there's more universes, that that's a whole another discussion for another day. But in our, okay. in, our in our view of the world, uh, obviously, uh, you know, the the Earth ends, and then infinite space begins. Uh, are you saying? Uh, I guess what I'm what I'd and ask I'll say is the same thing. I'll say the Earth goes on until it get until it goes on for as far as we know, and so what's beyond that is for another day. 
so, it's the so, same so there, okay. there's earth for a certain there, there's rock and and mud and and everything else and then that stops and you don't know what's beyond that is what you're saying correct because we've only drilled eight miles is the most any humans ever drilled into the earth right so i'm assuming that so, uh you know so you believe huh? that the the North Pole, as you've said before, is the center, and then the South Pole actually circles us. So do you believe in the ice wall, or I mean, is that something that's tangible? Can we get to it, and we're just not allowed to? Or, uh, or how everybody's got you, different, how do you view that. Yeah, I mean, there's differing opinion. I can't really say because I've never been there, but I would mm-hmm. tell you that there is a wall that you know is the ice shelf where water is held in to the kind of uh, let's call it a lake that the earth resides in where all the little continent land masses are and then there's antarctica which certainly seems like it's a frozen tundra and certainly appears that the further you go away from it the colder and more impossible it would be to operate any machinery or any plane or any um you know atv um so if there's something beyond that which some people think that there is um i've never seen it so i can't you know it would be incorrect of me to say that those things exist what do you guys theorize is past that wall that, cause that's fascinating to me. I just, that, yeah. that, that there is something past that. That's so, the, so the Jaren, Jaren said that, you know, we've never been there. So it, it would just be theorizing, but clearly theorizing, you know, there may be nothing. It may just be the end. It might just be cold, dark and frozen and that's impenetrable to humans. Or perhaps there are other thermal pockets out there, maybe five, ten, hundred thousand miles away. Or even closer. So as you go through that darkness, there's another sun, small local sun orbiting, making another thermal pocket. And, uh, you know, that's where if you believe in extraterrestrials, they come from the extra territory beyond the shoreline of Antarctica. Um, if you just Google Antarctic ice wall, you see thousands of pictures of a, a wall of ice, which is the shoreline of Antarctica. I don't know if it's a, a wall all the way around. It's certainly not like a wall in Game of Thrones that throws people off. It's <laughs> right. the shoreline of the ice tundra that we call Antarctica. Oh, and they're could- back in July and I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. Hey, I got another question uh, for you about the, the, the flat earthers and uh, one of the things that have been coming up lately, and I don't know if if you guys believe that it falls. I, I, we we can barely hear you, but I, I wanted Sorry. to just stay on the spinning ball. You said I could ask a question when sure, we're when we're yeah. done with that. So, so, and I'll try to make this quick, and uh, and you guys can uh, just give me your answer, and then let me retort quick. Um, if you're on an airport on the equator and you're spinning a uh, thousand forty miles per hour, we'll just call it a thousand miles per hour, um, and you're going to fly to the east. Um, the earth is spinning uh, to the east at a thousand miles per hour. So when you're on the runway standing still, you are relative to the earth um, moving at zero miles per hour and relative to a point in space moving a thousand miles per hour. Does everybody agree with that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. So we get out, we take off in our plane, we're heading east, we accelerate to 500 miles per hour. According to a point in space, we're going 1500 miles an hour, but land speed is 500 miles per hour. Everybody's on board. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I feel like so, this is fishing, but yes, I'm on board. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm not fishing. I, it's literally I'm just setting it up so people can visualize because it's things that people don't think of. Sure. So, um, as you get closer to the uh, to the North Pole, or you know, we'll go with the North Pole. Um, it, the the closer you are to that, the slower you are going. You're still spinning 365 degrees every 24 hours. But if you're in Alaska, you're only going about 400 miles per hour. Uh, to make that full circle around the around the axis of the Earth. Everybody on board? In relative approximation to a point uh, in space is what you're saying, right? Correct. 
Okay, sure. Okay, so I'm on a runway in Alaska now, and I'm traveling 400 miles per hour. I take off, I fly down to the equator, and I turn east. I'm now only going 400 miles per hour. How do I catch up to the Earth? Um, at 400 miles per hour, I had my initial speed. Before I took off, I sped up to 500 miles per hour. Add those together, I'm going 900 miles per hour uh, at best. But when I'm heading east at the equator, how do I catch up to the Earth? It's spinning up 100 miles faster than I'm going if I can maintain all of those speeds. It's all relative. Every single moment that you move in that aircraft, your mo- your your object of relativity with the surface of the Earth changes. So, so as you're closer to the equator your relativity is different than it is at the because pole. the entire time you're a slave to the gravity of the earth that's so why the earth gravity is speeding me up as i'm as i'm going towards the equator and then as i pass the equator it slows me down in relativity to a fixed point in space, in space yeah. yes okay that i mean that's that that's your belief i have my belief that's why, that's why <laughs> no no the- i got i i i got you there it just uh I'm not saying that i got you it just it, it you don't, you never sense any of these any of these things any of these things. If you're flying sure. in an airplane, you're cruising along for five six hours. It's smooth as can be. You're flying level. Um, as soon as they start, uh, you know, in, nosing down, you know it immediately that you're heading down towards the airport. Um, but at flying at 500 miles per hour, according on a on a 24,000 mile approximate ball Earth. Uh, the plane would have to nose down two miles every minute. Otherwise, it would just fly off into space. Um, how- well, hold on. You, to you, you said that you said you said that um, you're using the way you feel on an airplane as as a as a gauge uh, to to uh, to go back to what you're saying. Why don't you feel the fact that you're traveling at 500 miles an hour in 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 your example? Well, you you do. You feel the acceleration when oh, you, you get know. up to I, that I, speed. If when you get up be, to that huh? speed, you you feel it, but you're you're traveling with it. All the air is moving with you. I'm I'm with you. But any change, you know, if you're flying level, um, you know, is the air curved? Also, is that you know, how does the plane maintain its level uh, flight path if the Earth is is tilting away from us? The same way water is level at its surface. The exact same way. All right, so so let's just jump jump over there for a second. Water, you believe water? Yeah, no, you 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 believe water curves. There's a uh, salt flat in uh, ge- there's geographically flat areas of the world. You know, for people that believe we live on a ball, um, they 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 do agree that there are areas that are geographically flat, like the salt flats in Bolivia. Um, and when, when it rains, they get covered with water and it's within like a foot difference, um, for Jaron, how far is it? 200 miles, 300 miles. Um, I know that lake is, but the salt flats are like one something. Okay. A hundred, a hundred some odd miles. Um, and the water, it, it, it's not curved. It, it, the, the salt flat doesn't come up out of the water and over a hundred miles. Um, how many feet is that? A hundred miles, Jaron? Is it curvature? Of curvature on a ball Earth, I could figure it out quickly, but I uh, don't. Let me see, hundred miles, eight thousand inches, uh, six thousand feet, six thousand uh, feet yeah, of curvature. One hundred and eight miles provides three thousand uh, feet of elevation curvature aperture. Okay, okay. we'll we'll go with that if you if you go on both sides, but but sure. there's none. You can you can see it. 
you know, on a super clear day with a telescope, you can see way farther across that water and there is no curvature. Um, Sure. Can I answer that? Sure, please. One of the easiest things about the Bolivian salt flats specifically, I've been there. I worked with the Department of State uh, Bureau for International Narcotics and Law Enforcement, got to go all over Bolivia, Peru and Colombia. It was a blast. But one of the things you aren't considering in this is the heat that's rising from those salt flats during those storms. You've got an immense amount of heat that's rising from those that is absolutely throwing off a visible spectrum during a look through a telescope. Same way that sometimes that happens on the ocean, same way sometimes that happens looking through the sky using a telescope. You can have things that affect that visual uh, uh, visual sight that you're getting through your telescope. Aren't the Bolivian salt flats um, agreed upon by by science that they are geographically flat all the way across to right. within the variance of a foot? I'd believe you with your conviction and passion about it, but I don't. I can't. I can't say yes to. Uh, so, so uh, again, never believe anything I say. Um, <laughs> check it uh, that they are geographically flat, and if that was the case, um, the center would be the lowest part, and the wa- uh, would be the deepest part actually, and the end should pop out of the water. But but it doesn't. The water is level all the way across. Curvature can- has never been measured. Good, Jaron. An even better one than that is that lake in Russia. I think it's called Bilal or something like that. Uh, 395 miles long, and it's frozen between January and May. So if the water curves, as you've said, then there should be 19 miles of curvature uh, present in this lake. And yet the lake freezes and is completely flat. So if that was something, and again, I've never been there, but if I went there and and measured that and it showed it to be flat, um wouldn't that disprove the the ball earth completely knowing that a lake freezes over over 395 miles and shows no curvature? Sure. To answer your question, the answer to the question would be yes. However, the important part about this is the diagnosis that you're doing. What scientific method are you using? For example, if I follow some of the videos online about flat earth theories about planes dipping as they go across the curvature, he's using a level sitting in a seat about the most unscientific process possible. But I'll give him credit for what he was doing. He was trying to prove that it doesn't dip. Now, not a very good ex- experiment to prove anything. No. <laughs> so what I ask you, as well as the scientists that studied that to be the geographically most level place on Earth, if that's what it is, what was their science to prove that? And if they prove that, then yes, that's a great that's a great hypothesis for what you guys are trying to say with the flat Earth. Yeah, and that's what becomes difficult is how do we measure those kind of distances, like 395 miles? Because if we use a laser... Uh, high-powered laser light, uh, many ball-earth proponents just say that the laser itself is curving with the curvature of Earth. And so what, this is what we get all the time, is that if everything happens because of the curvature of Earth, well, then you can never disprove the ball-earth, which makes it non-scientific because it's not um, proven, it's not falsifiable. Because you're basically saying that everything on Earth is curved with the curvature of the Earth, therefore anything you measure will show curve. So, show- oh, well, sorry, I didn't mean to talk about that. Let's hop on that for a second. You said it's not falsifiable. Um, Correct. Uh, most of uh, most of the things that we've talked about tonight are 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 from the traditional scientific perspective, peer reviewed, scholarly accepted, um, and and you know the biggest any scientist the scientists on this call I'm sure would would agree uh, the 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 biggest thing that you can do. Uh, in science is prove something wrong. I mean, that, that's, that's what you're trying to do. That's the whole point of the scientific method. Okay, it's wrong. Let's try, let, what's a new hypothesis? Let's try again. 
Can I ask a question on that? So what you're saying is that you think that people who review scientific papers, so the peer review group of, let's say, 400 scientists, if I brought them a paper showing the earth is flat, you actually think that any of those 400 people would allow my paper to be published, which proves their entire careers as frauds? That's what you, you actually think humans are capable of doing that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. If you, you can bring something that is peer repeatable, peer review repeatable, then yes, I absolutely think that if a scientist that peer reviews it confirms or, or doesn't confirm your findings, uh, they would take it objectively. I absolutely believe that. So there's a guy who submitted a paper showing that he found soft tissue in a dinosaur bone and he lost his job for submitting that paper. He's a Mark Armitage. He's a uh, teacher at Cal State. So, I mean, that just goes to tell you, you go ahead and try and do that. You think it's about proving something wrong and you go ahead and try and prove dinosaurs uh, existed within the last 50,000 years and you're no longer a teacher or a scientist. Wait, I thought sure. you guys, I, I pardon me, but I, I thought you guys don't believe in dinosaurs. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's, it, they design it for long-term retention, you know, it, and yeah. uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and, there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm -hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we wanted to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're 50% oh. off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? 
But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hi, well, what do you mean? Large reptiles? I believe in large reptiles. I don't think that there's any animals that went extinct 67 million years ago, but I do think that obviously there's animals that grow huge. And before humans were around to hunt them and kill them, then they probably grew quite large. Um, uh, so no, I, I, I apologize for putting words in your mouth. I believe that was no what David said. Well, I understand what they're getting at when they say that, that they don't believe in dinosaurs, but I think they would all agree that large animals existed 10,000, 20,000 years ago. Right. There's large animals today. I mean, there's whales and, and all sorts of stuff. You know, animals, reptiles, if we left them alone, allig- alligators get pretty big. And maybe if we left them alone, the, people would think that they were dinosaurs. But David, they just didn't, didn't you, didn't you didn't, say that, that dinosaurs did not exist? Is, is that accurate? The dinosaurs, dinosaurs, the way they've explained them to us and the time period they explained them to us do not exist. Okay. So, so. So, I mean, we're going down a rabbit hole here, but uh, so, <laughs> but, but uh, to, to understand uh, the 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 archaeological findings that we have, that when we talk about uh, uh, you know specific, even you know, a Tyrannosaurus Rex or whatever it is, those did not exist. So the you know I think Jaron has the dates better than I do, but you know dinosaurs were hypothesized, and then ten years or a few years later, um, somebody you know in uh, that was connected to the people who would benefit from that all of a sudden discovered them. And, you know, there's no dinosaur skulls, I believe, that have ever been found. They find a tooth and some crumbled bones. They give it to somebody and say, hey, we think it looked like this. Can you build it and plaster Paris? And there you go. You got your dinosaur. I think they found skulls, but no complete skeletons. Right. Right. If you're looking for actual bones, no, you'll, you'll find calcification. That is it. You're absolutely right, though. That is a big rabbit hole. Can I ask you guys a similar question to get back to the Earth of observations that we were able to conduct scientifically yeah. now? Yes. Yeah. I, I want and this is an honest question. I just want, you know, your guys take and what the flat Earth uh, theorists believe with regards to the LIGO studies that have been done and the findings that have been done in the last couple of years and how the gravitational waves that have crossed Earth's path. From the theory of two black holes colliding some, you know, hundred trillion light years away, however the hell far away it was, we can now observe those theories in real labs. What are your, what's your guys take on LIGO? So the Have guy, you, go ahead, Jaron. Well, yeah. I mean, you can ask if he's actually seen the, the data. Yeah. Have you? 
No, I have not. <laughs> if you're talking, about, <laughs> have I seen the data? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, if you look at LIGO, they had to get money for that. They had to get funding for that, right? So sure. imagine everything get, else in the world. Yes. Okay, so imagine you get all this funding and you find nothing. Do you think that gives you a good chance of getting funding in the future to do other things? And to, it just that to answer your question, speculation. That's, that's not to, an, ex, sure. an excuse. That's just a to sure. answer your question. Yes, uh, I think that because if you guys know uh, NASA's successes and failures, like you were saying before, there are thousands of experiments that have cost thousands, millions of dollars, or billions of dollars, or whatever that have failed, and those results have been reported as failures. But we all learn. The scientific community in general learns from failures. That's the best part about it: is that we've proven something not to be accurate. So is there any evidence of science ever fudging results in order to meet corporate objectives or uh, anything like you well, think well, that's hold ever on, Hold on. That's a very broad answer to a very specific <laughs> well, question. Uh, does it ever- you can't take the guilt of somebody somewhere at some time and plaster that across all of science always ever. That's not fair. Because that goes – What you're any- doing is you're saying that science is always goes through the scientific message. So you're taking – Quality people. I, I never. No, now you're putting words in my mouth. I never said that. I simply asked uh, about the scientific method and if that's what you use. No, I'm talking about in this particular case, you're saying that because these guys went through the scientific method and because their funding comes just like NASA's funding, that they must be doing the correct experiments, that they must be not telling. It's, it strikes me that when you don't have an answer for something – it goes to who's funding it. When you do have an answer for something, it's no longer about who's funding it, but you think you can disprove it. I, well, I, I, I asked numerous, I've asked numerous times for uh, specific examples of where you have conducted studies where you have proven something using, because we all agreed at the very beginning that the scientific method would be a valid way of testing something. I've asked correct. numerous times, have you give me an example of something that ha, you've used the scientific method or or people uh, that believe the same things that you do of the scientific method that you've used it to prove okay. what you believe and and when we when we hit certain topics that that you don't have a good answer for it goes back to well it's them doing it. Okay, I, you I, asked about LIGO. Okay, LIGO is a multi billion dollar experiment, right? Was it billions? I think it's over mil- over millions. Uh, Maybe certainly, certainly over a million. Uh, I don't know the exact cost, but yes, I'd be it'd be safe to say internationally billions. Yes. Okay, so that that project. I mean, if you're asking me as if I have myself proof, physical proof that LIGO isn't true, how would I have that? My my. So if you're asking me that, no. And what he I was basically your thoughts on it. He was, yeah, just just your perspective. Yeah. That's so it. my thoughts. I started to give my thoughts, and then somebody interjected and said, "That's conjecture." Blamed it on conspiracy of of uh, of spending and. Almost take them a hundred years, a hundred years to the day that Einstein theorized them, they were found. That's not interesting to you. Uh, coincidental, yes, interesting, yes, but not conspiratorial. By the way, six hundred and twenty million was the the amount spent so far. Yeah, six hundred twenty million, not billion. So sorry, uh, I said billion. September eighteenth, twenty fifteen. No, that's why I had to look it up too. I didn't know it. Yeah, I didn't know. Um, no, so I mean, if you're asking me, I guess just. If you're asking next time for like scientific evidence, I mean, the, the weird thing is, and this is a position that we get put in all the time, is that many people who follow science think or, you know, agree that science uh, is considered fact. Whatever they have found, whatever the current belief is, is fact. So we're often put into a place where we're being asked to go up against fact, which is an impossible job. I mean, if you if you went to a debate with a Christian and they had the right to say that the Bible was fact— 
then it would be an impossible it would be a possible debate, right? You can't you can't defeat them. Just I don't think to- that's what we're asking though. I think what we're asking is we we're talking about um, certain <laughs> certain what we believe are realities okay. based on on scientific method. Okay, so it's been tested. Gotcha. There was a hypothesis thrown out and then tested, retested, and then tested by other people in peer review. Um, okay. What I'm asking is, has that same process been uh, done on any of the claims that you make? Yeah, sure. Like uh, boats being able to be seen after they leave your visual perspective. Um, you know, your eyes see the boat, what appears to go over the water, and anybody who pulls out their P900 can zoom back in and see the boat again. And then if you keep watching the boat, it will eventually mesh in with the horizon. So that the distances that we're able to see boats and buildings and anything is well beyond the uh, ability according to the curvature formula or the line of sight formula for the ball earth. So when, when we bring that up, we're told that it's because of refraction, that refraction is lifting the item up over the horizon and showing it to our face. So any, any evidence that we bring, any proof that we give, well, the deception, I mean, it wouldn't be a very good deception if NASA just or, you know, the whole scientific entity just said, no, sorry, you guys are right. We're leaving. Here's the keys to the you know vehicle assembly building. It's but, not going to happen. But if you have that boat and you're standing on the, the shore and you watch that okay. boat leave and you're using optics and you see it, you can no longer see it. It is gone from your view. But if I'm standing at the top of a building that's a few hundred feet above you, I can still mm-hmm. see that boat. Of course, because you're taller, just like I can see further than my you know two-year-old daughter because I'm way taller than her. But. On the flat earth, why can I see – why can you see further? Because on a flat earth, I can see further than my two-year-old daughter. But if it's, so, flat, well, it's straight but out. But it's, it's flat. It's straight out. And the, so It works on a flat earth the same way. The higher you go, the farther you can see on a flat earth because things disappear as the angle of um, – and that they go into your eyes. So if you're if you're six feet tall, you're looking at something on the floor six feet in front of you. You can see it clearly because it's at of a forty five degree angle. But as you move that thing farther and farther away, and on a flat Earth, the horizon rises up towards your eye level. Um, that gets down to such an angle that once it hits, I think it's point two degrees, you cannot see it anymore. It just it vanishes from your view, and that's true on a flat Earth. If you raise your height to 20 feet, 50 feet, 100 feet, you've now increased the angle to that thing in the distance and you can see it again. So, Greg, so you, you can see a, farther on a flat earth. Greg, do you have an opinion on that? Well, my question was what it, – it's, it's parallel to this and it will it'll hook back sure. in in a second. But what exactly is the horizon then? What, what is that line that cuts off from the sky and the ground? Like what is that cutoff? So if you were to put yourself in a the bedroom that you're in right now or whatever – and let's picture that room as an eight-foot ceiling, but it is as big as your city. Okay, so the room that you're in is actually huge, five miles far distant from you. If you looked off into the distance, the ceiling of that room will meet the floor. That is the horizon. It's not an actual horizon. There is no horizon there, but that is the uh, distance that you can see. And if we had a light on the ceiling above us and it raced across the room, after two miles or so, it's going to dip below that horizon line and slowly that light will go away. If you're going to be in a dark part of the room, but on the other end of the room, five miles away, it would be lit up. Converging okay. and converging lines. Yes. Agreed. Right. So con- converging lines. Okay. Um, so then it, it, it comes to me that let's say the horizon keeps going, right? It's all about converging lines. Then having the, 
having the 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 height difference, right? So if I'm if I'm on the ground and I'm looking out and I see the and I see my ceiling, my hypothetical ceiling go off into the distance and and it stops at the horizon. If I raise myself up to the top of the ceiling, it's not going to make any difference because they still converge at infinity. That's the whole point to to parallel lines is that they they converge at infinity. So at as far away as possible as 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 anything anything ever. So that's the whole point of converging lines. So in my my, put my yourself height difference. But you said it, it converges at infinity. But you can put yourself in a put. Imagine a fifty mile tunnel, and if you look down to the end of it, it doesn't converge at infinity. It converges at about three or four miles away from you. So that's where the ceiling meets the floor. There is. But, no, go ahead. But what about let's say you know we we do a David saying and get a telescope and I can see the end of the tunnel. So if it's if it's it, it's the, the converging lines though it, they do meet at infinity. That's the whole point to a converging line, is that they from our naked eyes, sure, you know, they we can, they meet at infinity, but we can't see past three miles or whatever the the short distance is. That's that's my question. Why not? Because it's the way our eyes work. We can only see when something gets down to an angle of uh, you know less than a half of a percent, we can't see it. But what I was saying is if you're on the shoreline and you have optics, you can have a more powerful optic than the guy at the top of the building and not see it. But the guy at the top of the building can still see the ship. Well, how do you know that? I mean, you can, and it also, it, it, it's not just, you can't just see forever because when down on the surface of the earth, the air is the thickest, there's moisture, there's pollution, there's all sorts of stuff. And all of that adds up and becomes opaque over distance. And things of any size get smaller as they go away from you. So, right. you know, Bill Nye right. said, you know, why can't we see Spain from the east coast of the United States, which is a ridiculous statement because we know a car driving away from us in 200 yards becomes uh, imperceptible. So, Across the ocean, Spain would be the size of a of a pinhead. So what you're saying is then if we had the right optics, if we had the right uh, 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 piece of machinery, the the right telescope that we could. No, No. we're not saying that at all, because you can't see through atmosphere, even on a clear day after a relatively short distance. um, It just becomes completely opaque. That's what the sky is. It's just the opaqueness. If you watch a series of mountains, if you go, uh, you know, if you see a series of mountain peaks, even on a clear day, each mountain peak in the distance gets lighter and lighter and lighter until Mm -hmm. it's just sky. And then there's still a mountain there. You just can't see it because it's blocked by opaque air which i'll just call sky okay so so that's that's where i was kind of going with this um that's my my parallel this is where it meets so geometrically speaking so if you if you imagine a right triangle right so i'm kind of going off of where um uh every we're kind of we're going going into euclidean geometry here so let's say we went in and did that experiment where we have somebody on, you know, the beach and they're looking out at the sun and the sun is doing its setting thing on the horizon. And then we have somebody else on a 300 foot cliff and they can see the same thing. But what you're saying is that, that things disappear because they get sufficiently far away that the atmosphere itself is kind of blocking its, its picture to us. It's, it's blocking its image. And so my argument against that would be that the person, if if it's all the same distance away from from anybody, like the same lateral distance um, from from the person that's up here, they're looking through more atmosphere than you are on the ground because it's a hypotenuse of a right tr- of a right triangle. 
Yeah, and the hypotenuse is longer than the base of that, that triangle. So they are looking through more atmosphere. So wouldn't they see it go before you did? No, the most atmosphere is at the ground level. So anybody on a 300-foot cliff is looking through less atmosphere. But no, because if it's a triangle, they're looking further. I mean, it's, it's You're talking about – think of the difference in the length of those triangles. The hypotenuse is going to be just a semi-tiny bit longer, but the so atmosphere they're, is – they're actually looking further, and they're looking through more atmosphere. The higher you go, the clearer the atmosphere is, is what Jaron is saying. Yeah. Okay. You, so, so, so have you guys ever done this experiment before um, where you go off to a beach and, um, and you look and, and you kind of get down on, on your, on your belly and you watch the sunset and then you jump up immediately onto your feet and you can see the sun go for about another second after that. Sure. Oh, green okay. flash. The green flash is pretty cool, but that's, that's, that's the whole refraction thing. But right. what, I, what I'm saying is that you can actually see the sun you can see the sun, like the actual crest of the sun for a tiny bit longer if you just immediately step up and at your, you know, six foot tall. So between zero and six a, feet, it can't works be works on a much ball different. earth, works on a flat earth. It's, it's the same thing on a ball earth if we could live on a ball and on a, and on a flat earth. It works the same way as far as height. You can see farther. I mean, if you had somebody, let's say, who's laying down on a basketball gymnasium floor, right, they, that gymnasium floor is flat but somebody standing up six foot tall can see further than that person and more of the items so if you had a basketball let's just say that was all the way at the end of two or three gymnasiums the person laying down might have that basketball kind of um obscured by the the ground that's in front of them but the person six foot tall would be able to see more of that basketball three courts away on the ground all right guys uh we're getting close to the end here uh another question for you um this goes back to space now. Um, it's my understanding. Uh, well, you you obviously don't believe this because you don't believe that we've been to the moon. But it's my understanding that we have reflectors on the moon that we can shoot a laser at and then test the distance from the Earth to the moon. Uh, well, first, Greg, is is that accurate? Am I am I saying that correctly? Yeah, I was left by the Apollo astronauts. Okay, so so we we can we can shoot a laser at the moon and say this is the distance. When we do that, uh, uh, David and Jaron, um, what are – how are we being – I suppose you would say that we're being um, manipulated or lied to. What, what, what number – how is that number coming back differently? Well, in 1962, lunar ranging experiment was the first successful test of a laser being shot off the moon to determine the distance. So clearly it has nothing to do with Apollo at all. And yet is always brought up as some sort of proof. But look up lunar laser ranging experiment. And it happened in 1962, seven years before they went there. So clearly the fact that we can shoot lasers off the moon has nothing to do okay, with well, anybody. That, that wasn't my question. It was it, my question had nothing to do with who said it there. Or what my question oh. simply means we're, we're able to test the distance. Uh, so, you know, you didn't you didn't hear what Jaron said. You're able to they're telling you that they're able to test the distance by bouncing a laser off the off the moon, but only NASA can do it. And then you sit there and you listen and all of a sudden you hear, you know, they, they shoot 50 trillion photons and then two of them come back two one two and you hear ping and that they're telling you that that uh is how they de- determine the distance but jaron's telling you that they did it they claimed they also claimed that that's how they knew how far the moon was they bounced a laser off of it without a a uh, um without a reflector on the moon so right there that's deception they're lying and none of that is real so none you're of saying, it you're saying the science behind it is incorrect 
I'm saying that you can bounce a laser off of a reflector. That's easy, but they they lied to us. They said that they did it without a laser, without a, without a reflector, and then they said, "Oh, they put a reflector there, and that's how no, I, just, you know we've been to the moon." Just I'm to, just telling you that just that to it's distill, just to distill your, to distill your point. You're saying that if if we shoot a laser at one of those reflectors right now, and we and we get a distance, you're saying that the distance that is reflect that that the machine tells us that is reflected to us is incorrect. Is that Correct. That's a machine that's telling you, number one. Number two, they say they shoot over a few quadrillion. Yeah, a calculator's a machine, too. I mean, it, it, just okay. it's a machine doesn't mean it's wrong. Nope, I agree with you. But it, when they shoot over a quadrillion photons at the moon's reflector that's been placed there for that exact reason, they get back one or two photons. So yet they were able to determine the distance to the moon to get there by shooting the laser off the moon with no return apparatus. So... How do you? How did they get that? How did they know the distance Adam, they were going? Adam, do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know the particular experiment that you're referring to before the laser went up there, but what I would like, or before the mirror went up and was placed on the moon. But what I would like to know is, what were the details? In, it sounds, sounds like you're typing. What were the details involved with the size of the laser and the type of laser? Because my understanding is that mirror will allow for less massive beams of light to have a detectable reflection that comes back because of that mirror. So my understanding is that it's considerably less powerful lasers that are needed. It says it uh, reflected off the moon's surface using a laser with a millisecond pulse length. That was 1962. Do we know the? Do you have this spec? I mean, I know I know that. Yeah, we're, I think I think we're both on Wikipedia right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, what I'm saying is, it, is that powerful of a laser that was used originally before the mirror was up there? Is it that much more powerful? Because if it, if it is, oh yeah. Bit, so not, in 1962, you think that they had a laser more powerful than the one that they shoot now with the multi-quadrillion photons? Well, they would have to. That's the thing yeah. is is that they, they put the lasers up there – or not the lasers. They put the mirrors up there. One, because it's – it's one, it's easier. It's, it's a lot more it, – you can know it precisely where those mirrors are. And from that, you'd be able to determine more precisely where – how far away the moon is. But at the same time – you don't have to have a super mega powerful laser taking up so much energy that has to reflect back off the moon back to us. It, you, there, just, you can get way there, less. Why is it that NASA always, you know, figures out how to do something and then gets rid of that more powerful thing? Like we don't have the technology to go to the moon anymore because we've lost all of that. All the telemetry is gone. Who you know, them? who told me that? Yeah, go, of course, well, NASA and every other space agency that's out there has the knowledge of how to get to the moon. The problem, it's not Jared, the problem comes to budgeting. Right. It's it's it's, it's the money money. Well the astronaut, what's his name? Um he's been up there for years and years and years. I can't remember his name right now. Um but gosh, well, I can't think of his name. Uh, anyway, he says that we can't get back to the moon because we lost the technology and it's too expensive to get it back. That's basically what he said. Oh no, there's like the moon missions that are planned in the future as well. So guys, I, I think I think so that's a, I, I, uh, Brent, you had another question. Well, I just had one question because it's been in the news lately, and it's kind of an, an out there one. And I wanted to ask what you guys are talking about because you did bring up mountains. They've talked about mega flora and fauna, about like plateaus and mountains aren't actually rock, but some flat earthers were saying they were giant trees from the past that have petrified. Do you guys are you do you fall into that camp, or do you have any 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 thoughts on that? No, not me particularly. I mean, I thought it was an interesting video. I think I'm open to listening to everybody's um, ideas and, and uh, you know, speculation. And then I just kind of weigh that with my own 
uh, experience. So for me, I don't have enough um, research behind whether or not uh, mountains or trees. It certainly appears to me that there are some mountains that are far beyond the size that I would ever imagine any tree trunk being. Um, but I've also seen some buttes in Utah and other places at the Devil's Peak that certainly appear to be uh, or look like what tree stumps look like. Mm-hmm. And when you look at their, I can't remember their octagons, but the columns that are that make them up that they tell us are from uh, lava, that, does, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. What makes more sense is that they, and if you get a tree and look at a tree close, it has the same octagonal columns. So, I mean, I, I'm not a believer in that because I haven't done the research in it, but it's an interesting video. David? All right, Jaren, I, yeah. I think... Uh, same, with, same thing. Uh, right on, right on. Jaren, I think that's a good place to uh, to hit, uh, you know, kind of our, our, our coast home here. Um, you, you said, I, I don't have a ton of research on that, uh, but I believe... Um, I, I, I want to hit this idea one more time. Um, a lot of the things that we've talked about tonight are, are, are peer-reviewed. Okay, so these are things, when I say peer-reviewed, I mean simply that there are different groups of scientists across the country throughout ages that have tested these things and have come back with the same results. Thus, they, they, they fit into the scientific method. Okay, so, so they have been proven um, uh, to, to the, the scientific community in general. My question is, and I, I'd, I'd love to, to hear your feedback, and, and what have a, a lot of the times when we say things, you say it doesn't make sense to me. That's anecdotal. Anecdotal can't be used in improving things. It just, I mean, whether you believe in the flat earth or the round earth, anec- round earth, anecdotal can't be used to prove things. What, uh, what tests have been done in your community that prove some of the things that you have said? Mostly uh, things that people can do locally, like laser tests across bodies of water. Um, you know, I'd say that's n- number one. A lot of people just observing distances far greater than they're supposed to. Uh, there's, um, you know, a mountain uh, in France that they've been, you know, it's been spotted. It's like the distance record, 160 miles. Um, it's an 8,000 foot mountain seen from a thousand foot observation point two times a year. That's a uh, the peak is called Canigal, um, and it's from a Loche, France. Um, that completely, it should be, you know, over two miles below the horizon yet we're told that, so, I mean, this gets back to that point is what I'm saying is that, yeah, science will tell me that that's refraction, that somehow that's being lifted up. They tell me that the sun, when I see the bottom of the sun hit the horizon, that it's actually below the horizon, but it's being lifted up. But that is something that can be scientifically disproven because you can watch the sun go all the way through its motion around the earth and it never has to jump to catch up anywhere. So how did it? How is it jumping up to above the horizon? When is it catching up to its regular orbit? It never does that. So it just what it sounds like you're saying is uh, there haven't been a ton of tests to prove what you're saying, but what the other people are saying to you <clears throat> doesn't pr- doesn't pass the smell test. Is that is correct? Is that and accurate? if it was, yeah, it's so accurate. Right. And I wish that I had the funding NASA had, or I wish right. I had the. I mean, if somebody. <laughs> Well, I mean, if so, yeah, fifty-two million dollars a day, and they we don't have a twenty-four hour view of the Earth from the space station, which yeah, is Adam attack Quippy and Dicks and you oh, know, kick think, us some of that cash. <laughs> I think everyone could uh, could probably chime in there. It's not like NASA has got a ton of funding right now. Well, let's, let's get something it, very clear. You know, funding the, million dollars a day. 
you ask for what scientific proofs we've done, and and there's lots of proofs that the Earth is a ball, but we've scientifically shown that those don't work. You know, hey, the the boat goes over the horizon. Well, no, it didn't. We just zoomed in, and it's back. You know, well, zooming um, in with your cool picks doesn't doesn't so, uh, prove er- anything. Proof that the Earth is a ball. Aristophanes proved it by the sun at noon, you know, making a shadow on a no shadow on one stick and a shadow and the other or well, whatever used it. Um, and, you know, Carl Sagan drilled into our heads that that can only be done on a curve on a curve. Therefore, well, the Earth is David, a ball. With due, with due respect, there's been one or two tests since since Aristophanes. But but, but hang on. The, <laughs> the ball, the ballers in science, in school, everyone is taught that that test proves that the earth is a ball and it doesn't because it also works on a flat earth with a close local sun if you get two uh you know posts on a desk put a light above one of them one of them has a shadow one of them doesn't well, so you can't, you that can't use a light on a desk to to represent the sun and and, and something why like not that. a light a light a uh, light because, directly because above the, it the proportions are completely incorrect <laughs> the no that, the, the that's light, not the true light source is completely different the I, I mean i'm not even a scientist and i know that but uh, no uh, i'm uh, saying the light from the sun is local and close to the earth it, that that it is it is actually is a valid test and on we, the flat we, earth model if you understand it but it's not it how can it be how can it be local and close to the earth if and, and let's let's assume the earth is flat right so let's let's assume the earth is flat and okay. if you've got you know new york it's midnight over in you know germany or something like that it's like 8 a.m or something so it's light over there, but not over New York. But if they're all on the same flat plane, it would be light everywhere. But if you're saying that if it's directional, not true. You're making a mistake there. Yeah. If it's if it's if it's direct if it's directional, you should still be able to see it nope. from that from not, from not true. It's 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 close, and it goes past the point of convergence for several reasons. But how, One how perspective. Can you prove that it's how do you have proof that it's close? We, like what what tests have been how, done to prove that the sun is that close? Because you could look at, you know, there, there's if you look at uh, perscuscular rays, other uh, people will say that that's an illusion. But you can see that the that the sun, um, see, there's there's so many things. Seasons prove that the Earth is close because they don't make do any sense the, on a ball. Do you believe the speed of light? Yes, they do. Yeah, oh, no, yes, they, they do. I can explain this perfectly fine. But do you believe <laughs> so that the so, speed of light is the sun closer to me during my summer or my winter? I'm in the north. Actually, yes. So, so for the northern hemisphere, this is actually pretty cool. But the, for the northern hemisphere, you're actually closer to the sun during the winter than you are during the summer. It's so because the Earth is is tilted at twenty three and a half degrees. There. So, so you're saying that that angle that the sun is hitting the Earth because that because when you when it hits at an angle, the amount of light, the same amount of light, is spread over a bigger area. Therefore, it heats a, a less uh, less heating. Correct. It's it's spread. It's not so much spread over a, a a bigger area, but it's spread over a different area. Yes, right. So it's coming in at an angle. So right. on December twenty first at at noon, when the sun is at its highest point in the sky, lowest. Go, no, at noon on December twenty first, on the highest point in the sky that day. Okay, gotcha. For December twenty first, you can go out at noon. Anybody can do this experiment and stare at the sun with your face and feel the heat on your face. Well, you can barely feel it. it you can feel it a little bit, but you can barely feel it. But on June twenty first, when the sun rises, the second it comes up over that horizon, when it's at its most severe angle, I mean, mm-hmm. it's skimming across the earth. You can feel the sun blasting on your face. So that disproves the the spreading of the light because we're going from we're not talking 
talking 23 degrees, you know, a, a slight little difference. We're talking a massive difference. Well, Dave, and, well, David, I think that I think that we'd all feel better um, about the discussion if if if. If the conjecture was less what you can feel on your face and what you can see with a camera and more well more, more here, testable here, things than well than here, here, here's uh, the thing and, you know you, you want to use you want to use calculations yeah, and everything I, I but, do I do math math but math every is, math is the sense, universal constant you know what you were giving senses you every sense in your body tells you that we are flat stationary not moving and the sun is close only nonsense tells you otherwise or common sense. <laughs> so your sensory perception of yourself is what's proving science and science has taught us to ignore our senses and believe the lies of men no there's a, you, there's a video called the arctic versus antarctic by eric dubay um watch that and 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 ask yourself how is the how is seasons possible like this on a flat earth it's a short video arctic versus antarctic by eric dubay well, uh, all right so uh, let me let's let's go with the thought experiments that, that you've been going with, uh, if I stuck my hand in a warm bucket of water and then I threw it into a cold bucket of water, uh, my senses would tell me it is burning up. I can't no, trust the, my uh, senses at that point. The, you no, trip senses there, though. Yeah. And it's, it's called the Arctic and Antarctic prove well, no, flatter. No, no, no. I, that, that, no. I wasn't talking about the, the video. I was, I was just, just giving you, you, you mentioned you, you trust your senses. I'm saying that our senses can't always be trusted, uh, in that, uh, they are, rela- they are relational to our environment. Isn't that accurate? Right. Just like my senses mm-hmm. say that you can't, you know, as you said, you can't see the boat anymore. And then you pull out your camera and you still can see it. Your senses were lying to you there. That's your senses doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They've, you've lost the ability to see that distance, and then you've used a device to aid your senses. But what, com- what, what are my senses telling me when I when I throw that that hand that was in the cold bucket into the warm bucket, and it says it's hot? Well, because it's not you. You go through life in normal circumstances. You never have your hand in freezing cold water and then throw it in hot water. So you've com- you've completely thrown your senses off kilter by setting up an experiment to prove a point, which it does. That that's not your senses because your senses don't ever sense you with a hand in that water. Yeah, so you, that, that doesn't feel right, right? Because I'm using this I'm using this wild experiment to give anecdotal evidence. So that's here, I, I'll give you I'll <laughs> give you a better. That's my whole point. You're using I'll this wild experiment. To give, of, let me finish. You're using this wild experiment to give this anecdotal evidence and and what experiment. Uh, I'm Which sorry. One? So, so you said. So when did we set up our senses to be fail us? You know, David was saying. That during the summer, when the sun rises, that the heat that you feel on your face is hotter than if you look at the noonday sun in December. You did not do anything to trick your senses there. That's not a wild experiment. That's well, you, don't have, you don't have to use your that. senses. You Fred can get, a, you can get a, a bowl, a parabolic bowl, face it at the sun, put a thermometer in there, a scientific thermometer, one that says science on it, and, <laughs> and do the same thing at – at solar noon on December 21st and sunrise on June 21st, and you will see that it is way hotter, way faster on June 21st. And that's because the sun is local and its heat but is that's local. Not, and he explained to you why, and you just said no. No, what do you mean? He explained to me why. He, he explained to me that the reason it's winter is because the sun is hitting the earth at an angle. Well, guess what? On June 21st at sunrise, you can't get any more of an angle where the sun, you know, that sunlight is spread from horizon across the earth. It's, it's tangent to the earth. It's not shooting down at earth at noon on December 21st. It's, it's even hotter. It's, it's the cool. angle of the sun. 
And yet we're told the rays of the sun come in parallel. Greg, Not I'd love to give you uh, the last word on, on this part of the conversation. Oh, okay. Um, well, the only thing I can really think of is I'm going to go back on David's experiment, though. If you take a thermometer and do your parallel dish and everything like that. Um, I mean, you still coming in from, from personal experience, I, I smoke. And so I'm not allowed to smoke in my house. So I got to go outside for that in the winter time, you know, I'll go out and I'll have a cigarette and, and I'll come back in. My hands are freezing cold. So I'll go in and I'll put them under some, some just barely lukewarm water and it feels like it's burning. Um, so that's kind of going back onto, on, onto that, that idea that, you know, you can trick your senses and so when you, put when a you, thermometer, just use a thermometer, forget my, I've done it with my face, okay. but I know what the temperature is. Use the thermometer and you'll say, so here's the thing though, is that the thermometer doesn't just read radiant energy from the sun. The thermometer also reads air temperature. So if you were to do this experiment, you would probably want to put it into a, into a vacuum. And so with that vacuum part, then yeah, you'd probably end up with exactly the same temperature from the sun as you would in the winter, as, in the winter, as you would in the summer. It's, it's, it's taking, out, the variables. taking out all other variables and only having the sun. So you take out the air, you take out the air pressure, you take out air temperature, leaving only the sun. You would, I've never done the experiment, so I can't tell you, but you know, logic would tell me that the sun's the only thing affecting that thermometer. So yeah, the sun's going to have the same temperature. All right. Well, gentlemen, um, we, we've, we've hit a lot of the flat earth tonight. I feel like this, this conversation could go on for another four hours and, and we could, <laughs> and not scratch it. Oh, and, and not scratch the surface. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, th- I, it, huge but, thanks but, to all of you but, for being civil on this. Too, yeah, yeah really no, it's, it's been a great conversation. Um, uh, David and Jaron, I, I understand that, that you have some, uh, we are a conspiracy theory, mystery, unexplained show. So, um, uh, with the final few minutes, uh, are there, are there other, um, conspiracy theories out there that you, that you believe in, that you have thoughts on that, like, uh, that, that just like, yeah, like just yeah, hit us with a quick bullet point list of things that, that we need to be aware of. And I'll, while you're at that too, tell us about your website and the things that you do. Yes. Okay, me first. I'll go real quick. Uh, am I I'm sorry? Am I muted? I don't even know. No, okay. no you're good. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you. Um, you can go to com or Jaronism is the YouTube channel. I also do a podcast on Monday nights on truthfrequencyradio.com from 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific. So that's where you can find me. And we're always just talking about conspiracies and uh, ways to improve the world. That ultimately, if, if science was doing things that, and I mean science, um, not this, the physical science that people can actually touch and do because that's, is, is great. It's the most, you know, wonderful thing on the earth, but, uh, the science is theoretical. Um, when you've got NASA flying around Jupiter, which is a ball of gas in space, and we're spending money on that. Um, I've got a big problem with that because I think that when we've, uh, finished our work here on the earth of making sure everyone's got food and water and shelter and, and everyone's kind to each other, then we can go ahead and do whatever we want out in La La Land, but to be taking money um, from people forcibly to show them what I think is CGI images. Um, they don't have any pictures of the earth that, uh, should be, it's 2017 and they've got uh, composite images due to satellites orbiting and strips. And they just don't have a picture that they don't have a camera on the moon, a webcam on the moon, taking a 24 seven view of the earth. The ISS, which is in orbit of the earth, doesn't have a camera 24 seven on the earth. It's 2017. They get $53 million a day. And I ask you, what is NASA or space travel 
done for humanity. And uh, anything that you get, you just need to ask yourself after that, well, could that have been done without space travel? And the answer every single time will be absolutely. There's nothing that's, that NASA has done besides build up America's prestige by faking moon landings. Um, as far as other conspiracies, yeah, I'm open to all of them. And I think it's the best way we should look at those is look at the mainstream media, get your information from them, and then go and look for alternative sources. And sometimes you're going to find that when you look at those, they're kind of a mess and that they're not making a lot of sense in the mainstream story might make more sense, but that's very rare because what you're going to find most of the time is that uh, the researchers doing what the media should be doing, which is actual investigation, investigations and thorough research and looking into things completely. Those are the people telling the truth. And now we've got a, a media completely controlled. So anything that happens in this world now goes through a filter before it hits your eyes. And that filter is, is lying to you. You're paying for, you're watching TV that is corporate funded, uh, corporate owned. And of course, everything that we see, everything we hear is um, backed by some nefarious agency. So I'm open to all conspiracies because they certainly seem like the more I research them that, uh, and I've seen some that don't, don't, you know, weigh out. Some people were saying that that recent flight that killed that soccer team down South, um, Ch Chapacoense, uh, I heard a lot of people saying that that was uh, fake. And I, you know, did my research on it and said, no, that was a, a real plane flight that really crashed because the owner of the, th of the plane tried to make it without uh, the right amount of gas. So either, there's real things that happen. Obviously the world isn't just all um, fake, but right. you have to look at every single thing because most of it is done to fool you in some way to keep you under their control and to steal from you any way that they can. That's just the nature of people. People in power want to stay in power. So that's all I got. David? Um, my uh, YouTube channel is D-I-T-R-H. It stands for Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole. I, I have uh, <laughs> most of my videos are under five minutes, most of them. Um, and they, they get you thinking. They, they, uh, they'll maybe entice you to go listen to a longer video. Um, um, Jaronism's uh, YouTube channel is also a great place to learn about the fraud of the space agencies. Sorry, uh, Adam and Tack. Um, Adam, okay. I, I'd I would love to see from you uh, if you can get your boys up in space to to uh, film themselves actually leaving uh, for a spacewalk from the inside through the outside without cutting the the film, and uh, when they're outside, do a 360 degree view. Um, even inside, that would be wonderful. Live, of course, um, that would be great. And uh, and tack, um, I every time you guys land one of your SpaceX uh, uh, bottoms on uh, uh, the drone barge out in the ocean where nobody can see it, the video cuts out because of, um, I guess, bad uh, Wi-Fi out there. Uh, I, I would assume that the, that there is a recording of it actually landing without it being edited. Uh, we would love to see that. Um, also, back to you, Adam, um, the space station, it's amazing. And uh, the guys that built it, I'm sure they probably videoed it in six ways to Sunday. So Mission Control could see it being built. Um, to date, we have never seen a video, any video of the ISS being built. Um, so I have labeled it the IFS, the International <laughs> Fake Station. Um, uh, call it the ISS. The, the ISS. And then the last thing is, you know, 
um, if anyone believes anything Jaron and I have said without checking in anything, uh, you're as dumb as you are for believing the lies that the that the indoctrination uh, system that they call the education system has taught you. Um, take these these thoughts and have the courage to go look. A great place if you don't know, you know, should I go to DITRH? Should I go to Jaronism? Should I go here? There's a channel called ODD Reality, and he has uh, ODD twenty four ODD Reality twenty four seven live feed. And what that is, he takes all of the best and the newest flat earth stuff and streams it 24-7. So have that playing in the background while you're making your breakfast, while you're, uh, you know, turn off the TV for a week. And I guarantee you, anybody that takes the time to really look will uh, drop the ball. You know, nobody likes having their ball taken away. You have to really go in and and be willing to give it away. And David, before we uh, before we stop your your portion are there any other uh, conspiracy theories that <laughs> that you want to expound upon or, or, or think that people need to be woke to? You know, there's a website. Uh, Jaron, what's the name of that website that has all the conspiracies on it? Stop, look, listen, I think. Stop, look, think or listen. Stop, oh, stop. Think. Yeah, stop, look, think dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has a lot of flat earth stuff on there and there's everything else from the Boston bombing to the uh, London fire. Um but the boss yeah, bombing, is- it, meaning it was it was fake. There's uh and yeah, uh, not a, so fake. It's not even it, it's not even a discussion I'm willing to have anymore. Go watch the videos there. Uh, the evidence, not just YouTube videos. People say, "Oh, where'd you get that on YouTube?" I defy them to find anything that's not on YouTube. YouTube is like the world. There is like people. There's truth and there's lies all over it. You have to decipher and look for yourself. But the Boston. Uh, Hoaxathon was uh, was a complete and total joke, and there's uh, there's ten thousand pieces of proof. One being just I'll just give you one out of ten thousand. The bomb blew up, and right next to it was a Nike banner that didn't have a single hole in it on a fence. Right next to the bomb, not a scratch. That's another rabbit hole we're going down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but it's all on on uh, stoplookthink.com. Great. And, uh, but by the way, if you go to that website, bring food and water. <laughs> Great. But I. It, uh, oh. I was just going to say that I agree that uh, that site's a great place to start. And if you believe anything I say or believe anything in any of my videos, then I do, you know, feel sorry for you because we should be moving away from hearing people say things and believing them. They can give us thoughts and they can give us ideas. And then we go out and test them. And, you know, if I ask my, my mom if she believes in uh, Sandy Hook that it happened the way we're told, she would say yes. And I don't have a problem with that if, the person has done the research on the other side. The problem is my mom has not done the research and won't do it. She refuses to watch anything but the mainstream media. Right. So I do have a problem with those people. But if you actually go and do the research and you can say, I watched these 10 videos and I still believe the mainstream story, then you know what? I don't have a problem with that. The problem is I've never met somebody who said that because anybody who reviews the evidence will see exactly what's going on in this world, that uh, people are willing to lie to your face and uh, take your money and take your guns. And as long as you sit there and do nothing, well, they'll continue it. And, and Tack, Tack, I would like to invite you on to Monday Night Raw with Jaron to to talk about SpaceX. If you want to come on, we'll treat you with respect. <laughs> and uh, we'd really like to hear about what you do there and have some questions for you. And speaking of that, let's uh, hit Adam and Tack. Uh, let them uh, uh, talk a little bit more and, and say goodbye. First of all, I want to say to you guys that are are coming on the show with the the flat earth theory perspective um i applaud you uh the two of you are two of the more intelligent debaters that i've ever had the you know honor to listen to 
Uh, Some people though, call us the master debaters. <laughs> uh, uh-oh. Um, but I do, I do appreciate it. I want to applaud you and thank you for uh, sharing your perspectives. While I don't necessarily hold all of your perspectives or many, uh, same, similarly, um, I do applaud you for coming on and going against the grain because the majority of the world thinks differently. And you guys come out and, and speak very well and educated. And, and I'm impressed. <laughs> Um, hey, um, one person I forgot to ask. One one person said that um, there is a proof that the Earth is spinning. I, I'd love you to someone to send that to me when they find it. Okay, I'll have to All get right. your contact information from the guys from Hysteria Fifty One after this because I, I definitely okay. will. Um, All right. All right. So, uh, real quick to answer a couple of the last minute uh, questions that came up, not to debate them, but just to give my perspective on them. Uh, first thing is the NASA budget. It was cited several times as how much money NASA gets, and that we should have more proof than that. While I agree there should be enough proof to conclusively tell you or to show to you uh what i believe i agree with that 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 should be there and it's not or not necessarily in your opinion um nasa's budget is minuscule in comparison to other things that are more relevant in the times so for example just going to give you one cite one thing and this is from a personal hero of mine which is mr neil degrasse tyson i'm still in a little bit of his quotes in the past for this statement if you took every NASA budget, every annual NASA budget, and added it together since 1961 or whenever the first NASA budget came out, I don't remember exactly when that was, you would not even come close to touching the amount of money that was given to the bank bailouts back in whatever year it was, 2009, 10, whatever, whatever year that was. So just use that as a reference. NASA's budget can always be improved. In fact, both candidates in this last presidential election had great theories on what they could do positively for NASA. So um, I'm happy on either candidate got in for a NASA perspective. So uh, something that we, have, we we didn't touch on is uh, the the hoax that is money. Money is just a control method. NASA does not get $52 million a day. They just steal $52 million from the American public. And the bank bailout is the same thing. That's on the ta- on the back of the American people. It's just a control method. The elite that are doing all of this don't need money because they can just type numbers one zeros into computers and create debt for us and that's how it works so uh, while i respect your opinion i didn't talk over some of your stuff in your closing now oh, come on my bad sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's all right uh but uh, you know some of the some of the jokes aside and on serious topics of course that both of us hold pretty serious in our personal lives again thank you guys for coming on um i encourage any of you guys and, and i have been begging and looking for a flat earther to also come on one of our podcasts as well and even maybe even host one of our other shows. Uh, we, I mentioned it at the beginning of this show. Uh, we, we host a show called The Twisted Ten. The Twisted Ten is a unique top ten list each week that either one of us as a regular host on that show or a guest host comes on and literally takes over the show for an hour. Some of your guys' theories on some of these conspiracies. Now, Brent and these guys did one on conspiracies too, but more specifically on the flat earth. I, I would like to invite you guys right here on Hysteria 51 to come host an episode, and you'll yeah, be treated with respect be, as well. You guys would be fantastic. That is the perfect format for you. Yeah, agreed. And we don't necessarily debate your perspective of your top ten list. We just ask, you know, we we we, we work with you during the show to both get make it entertaining because it is a comedy show, but we also want to tr- pull the information out of you. So. I, I would be honored if you guys would even consider that because I absolutely am fascinated with your guys' perspectives and you're very well spoken on what you're saying. Absolutely, so, we, I, I'm, I don't know about Jaron, but I'd be very interested in uh, keeping it funny is easy when you're talking about the ball Earth theory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm totally in. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Cool. 
yeah, we'll, we'll definitely shoot you guys the invite. We would, we would be honored for that. Um, but again, my name's Adam. Uh, I'm one of the hosts of those shows. There are four of us and we have a five person team. We've got a web and admin guy as well. His name's Josh, but, uh, thank you guys for having me on and oh, yeah. Tack as well. Tack will get to his stuff in just a second, but thank you very much for having us on. While we not, are not, you know, high end doctorate scientists that are out there, we do have a, a different unique perspective because we do work in the space agency. And I, I can go on record and say, I haven't signed any part of any conspiracy, uh, to cover money or to, you know, hide photos or anything from the public. So from my perspective, as much as you'll believe me for saying it, I have never signed anything and I've worked DOD, DOS and NASA since 2001. I have never signed, signed anything of non, those. No, non-disclosure? Uh, non-disclosures, but more for a corporate uh, entity like uh, intellectual property. Now, there are things at, at a certain government clearance level that I have had to sign that I wouldn't release. But from my perspective and what I do, none of that had anything to do with theories or cover-ups or anything that I've ever had an interaction with. Now, mind you, I don't deal with photos in space. I, I'm an IT guy at heart, so most of what I do is the support infrastructure for those systems. So just from my perspective, I will tell you that I've never signed any or have any knowledge of any kind of conspiracy or cover-up. I'll go on record saying that anywhere you would like me, guys, to do that. But I'm Adam, and thank you again, by the way, yeah. guys. I really appreciate your perspectives. You were three versus two tonight, and you guys did awesome. Tack. <laughs> okay, so uh, I didn't get a chance to talk much. I had to kind of be more aggressive, I guess. <laughs> 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 but I definitely enjoyed listening. Um, so I, I work at uh, SpaceX. Um, I'm, I'm a security officer. I'm not an engineer or anything. I'm just a security officer. However, we are still involved with day-to-day operations. Um, so there are people that I've seen videos and stuff, people claiming that SpaceX is phony and SpaceX is a CGI and with the takeoffs and the landings. You know, you said we landed on the barge. Well, we also landed on our landing pad as well. So. Um, and if you think it's not real or CGI, whatever, I invite you 100%. You can come right down here and visually watch it come right down and land. Tack and I often get passes to bring visitors with us out to approximately the vehicle assembly building out at the base. So we could, you would have to ride with us in our car. So you'd have to trust us. We'd have to, we give you our credentials, but we would, we would, we would be out there. You can actually go to uh, a David Copperfield uh, exposition where he'll actually make the uh, Statue of Liberty disappear. I don't know if you've ever been there and seen that, but uh, that's, that can be done in person, too. Uh, yeah, but you can't make up those sonic booms when that, that vehicle lands back on the pad at Kennedy Space Center. That can't be made up. Planes can't fly overhead and create sonic booms? It's interesting. I thought Wait, that. Like, are you claiming that it's an airplane crashing into the ground every time that we land no, the first date? A plane can fly overhead and create a sonic boom, right? Oh, well, yeah, but why when you can literally watch the first stage come back down? Wouldn't that just create where where can you three miles away? I'm sorry. From three miles away. How close can we get to a uh, SpaceX rocket landing? Oh, you can very close. You can see it. You are literally watching. It's not a question of what it's not a tiny light in the distance. You visually see the rocket come down. Right. And there's I mean, you can go to a, a magic show and watch a car literally disappear. So, I mean, what I'm saying that, is you can that see doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. I'm saying you can come down. I'm not. I've never been to a magic show thing. and seen that. Right. So you can come down <laughs> here evidence. and just watch it. I'm not going to perform a huge magic show. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> I don't have that kind of money. You you can be fooled into believing that you saw a rocket land three miles away. But you can be My fooled into believing no. that you, you didn't see. If you came with us. Yeah. 
you, you right. maybe fooled into not believing. We'd love to come. So we're in. <laughs> okay. Hey, well, I, real I quick, mean, just, we got we got to wrap up. I like up. to fly first class, though. We got to wrap up. Greg, I believe you're a podcast virgin. Is that not right? Um. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, first it's, time. It's, yeah. You kind of well, yeah, jumped in feet first, so thank you on that. <laughs> Well, I like talking. <laughs> I mean, I've been thinking about making my own podcast. Like, I mean, it's I'm like everyone. Everyone here has something. Like, they got a YouTube or a podcast or something like that. Um, I did have a YouTube, and it was going pretty good until I got into to high school teaching, and that took up literally all of my time. Um, so I, I haven't just, tomorrow. You can't trust them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. <laughs> too much time. And yeah. so, I mean, I've, I thought about doing something this summer, but then I just I just enjoyed not working. So, well, so Greg, since you don't have anything to plug, why don't you uh, wrap us up here with your final thoughts? Um, well, it, my final thoughts uh, about this whole thing is is when taking into account everything all at once, um, it, it's it's, you know, talking talking about about. All, all of the observational evidence that's been that's been collected over you know the past four or five centuries, um, it's actually actually even more than thousands over the past couple of millennia. Um, it's it's it all comes down to the simplest explanation, it, at least in my eyes. And I can't say this about Jaron or, or David, but it's in my eyes at least. It's it it the simplest explanation is that the Earth is a ball. It's a sphere or spheroid, I should say, because it's not exactly a sphere, but it's spheroid um, that orbits the sun, which is also a sphere. And and that's pretty much as simple as it could possibly get that it that then it does have it, it fits every single explanation and it matches with things that, you know, it matches the math. It matches it, it matches all the observations that humans have made. And it's super simple. And it doesn't have to take into account, you know, it it doesn't have to take into account the the all the all the stipulations and all of the rules. It's just one simple rule that the Earth is round, it spins, and it orbits the sun. That's it. So that's pretty much about it. Well, that's, on, that's all I got. <laughs> on that note, uh, we, we appreciate it, gentlemen. We all appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, I I don't know if we uh, if we if we cranked anyone's brain one way, the, one way or the other hey i learned stuff i learned stuff from the the flatter side i learned stuff from the globe side I had a blast because everyone here knew their shit <laughs> and i was so <laughs> enthralled with that and i was afraid it might uh, degrade into arguing and stuff and everyone here was classy you were respectful to one another and it i couldn't ask for a better better round table yeah guys uh, all of you we appreciate it we we think you all did a great job and and we we hope you will come back to the show at another another time and we'll continue this discussion well there you have it that is our second treatment of the flat earth i don't know if we've helped you or hindered you in any way of making up your mind but there you have both sides of the story from experts i use that term loosely but that's probably just referring to John and I. So <laughs> you're welcome for muddying your mind even further. We still want to know what you think, Hysteria Nation. Hit up Hysteria Nation on Facebook. Just hop on Facebook and search for Hysteria Nation. Tell us right now what you think. Where are Brent and I wrong? Where is Tack and Adam wrong? Where are the Flat Earthers right? We don't know. Let us know. You can also find us on Facebook.com slash Hysteria 51 pod. Also, while you're at that Hysteria 51 pod, 
Hop on Twitter at Hysteria51Pod. We love to hear about you on there. And don't forget, you can also reach us with our voicemail, 773-669-7277. And while we're talking about reaching people, how can they reach some of the people we had on the show tonight? That's a great question. There were two podcasts represented on the show tonight, both from Adam and Tack. Uh, one is the Twisted 10. You might have heard Hysteria 51 on that show. You can find them at the Twisted 10 on Twitter. You can also find their other show, Living Podcariously, at Podcarious. That's at P-O-D-C-A-R-I-O-U-S. Now, the big important thing for everyone, they're thinking... Where can I get a Hysteria 51 t-shirt? Well, you're in luck. Go to tpublic, teepublic.com slash stores slash Hysteria dash 51. Or you can just go on to tpublic.com and search Hysteria 51. You're going to find all your Hysteria 51 swag, t-shirts, stickers, I don't know. Hoodies for the kids. All of your Hysteria 51 needs, up to and including Conspiracy Bot. And if you can't remember any of these things, you can always go to Hysteria51.com. Find all of that there. And don't forget to tell a friend, because that's what's most important. Tell them about the Flat Earth. Tell them about the Globe Earth. Tell them that you love me. Tell them that you love John. Tell them that you hate Conspiracy Bot. Easy there, ass clown. So with that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meat sacks. Thanks for listening to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. We'll be back again next week with more known unknowns. If you'd like us to discuss a particular topic, suggest a guest, or simply seek some truth, we'd love to hear from you. You can email the show at hysteria51podcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter at hysteria51pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.